Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends of the pod, to another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two films, one mainstream and one cult, both thematically linked. I'm really excited about uh, this double feature we have. Today's part one, uh, the double feature I like to call Witches Gone Wild. Uh, we've got some really interesting films to talk about. First up, today we are going to talk about Gretel and Hansel from 2020. Uh, and then uh, for next episode, part two, we're going to talk about, uh, well, everyone knows it, the Blair Witch Project, uh, the original Blair Witch Project. So let's introduce ourselves. Of course, I'm your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. And with us today, we have a longtime contributor, Tad Mastrioni. How are you doing, Tad? You said 2020 and it triggered me. That's uh, true. It's, um, you're not alone. Uh, 2021 is kind of there too for me. 2021 uh, is worse. I, I told I'm everybody having, it was going to be worse. I'm having a harder time with it. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and we also have a longtime contributor, Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy? Good. Still standing, standing quite literally at my standing desk. So Still standing, standing, standing. That's that's the that's the whole mood right now. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday evening, um, fairly days before this actually will run. But uh, if anyone else has had a hell of a week, a hell of a month, uh, I uh, I feel you, and I think we all feel you. So uh, let's just relax and uh, talk about some witchy films. So this film, Gretel and Hansel, uh, as I said, is from 2020. It did come out in, um, in theaters, uh, kind of, um, you know, it, it got the theater release, but then it also got a quick to video release because of, you know, a uh, global pandemic. It is a fascinating film, a lot to talk about. Now, uh, when I first saw it, I thought it was a European film because the imagery uh, and the slow burn atmosphere is so prevalent and so um, sort of middle European. It's a lot of, uh, it's based on a Grimm's fairy tale, obviously, uh, Hansel and Gretel, as well as some other witch related folk tales from Europe. Uh, but it's actually a United States project. So interesting stuff. Uh, Oz Perkins was the director and uh, he's a relative newcomer and Rob Hayes wrote the script, same. And Sophia Lillis is, uh, plays Gretel, the, the titular character. Uh, she is probably most notable for playing um, the, the young girl in the first part of the new It 
film series. So um, not the original, obviously. Uh, she'd be a little old at this point because I think that was from 90, 95. But <clears throat> she does, I think, a very good job. She has a very close cropped haircut, lots of uh, standing and looking in this movie, which is sometimes hard to do from an actor's perspective, but I think she nails it. Samuel Leakey plays Hansel, her younger brother. And then uh, I think we all kind of know the story of this, right? And it, it, it sort of follows the story up until the middle to end uh, that we all know. Uh, this, the original story is that a woodsman and his wife have two kids and they're starving and the wife says, hey, husband, go drop the kids off in the middle of the woods. Um, and they end up running into a witch who has a uh, house made of gingerbread and it's to lure kids in and then she fattens them up and then she cooks them and eats them. But instead, uh, they push her into her own oven and then they all, her, their family move into the witch's cottage and uh, live happily ever after. And there's some variations on that. This movie is called Gretel and Hansel instead of Hansel and Gretel because it sort of flips the gender dynamic and, and uh, it really focuses on uh, female power and the female experience. And in this sort of um, olden mid-century, I don't even know what you would call this time period. It's, it's a mythical time period, sort of a, a pilgrimy. Uh, Victorian rural period. There's a plague going on. It seems to turn people into monsters. We only see one of them uh, or cause madness. That's a weird moment. Uh, early on, they, they encounter, after being kicked out of their house by their crazy mother, they encounter another crazy person who's shot in the head by a uh, hunter. And this hunter then says, well, go this way and you'll meet woodsmen. They'll have work for you guys and you can live there. Uh, well, on the way, they, of course, run into this strange little cottage. Uh, and it's full of sweets and, and food and all this stuff. And they end up meeting the old woman who lives there, which is the witch. And uh, she is played by the incredible Alice Krieg, who is, you may not recognize her name or recognize her exactly, but you, you kind of know her. She was the Borg queen in Star Trek First Contact from 1996. So uh, everyone who has seen that film knows how amazing she is as an actress. And she's done many other things as well. Thor, the dark world, she was here and all these things, but she's the witch and the witch sort of uh, teaches Gretel how to commune with nature and be a witch uh, and use spells and stuff. But there's something ominous about it. She doesn't care much for Hansel. She sends him out every day. Uh, and initially Hansel's super happy. And he's like, we need to stay here. And Gretel's like, no, this place is scary. And then uh, it sort of flips as Gretel becomes more powerful. She wants to stay and Hansel starts to become complacent, stuffed, uh, unhappy, and he wants to leave. Well, and again, guys, this podcast does uh, tell you some spoilers. I don't think uh, spoilers in the context of nearly any movie uh, really ruins it. If it's a good movie, you're going to enjoy it, whether you know what happens or not. But if that's not your cup of tea, then you can stop it now, go check out this movie and come back. So ultimately what happens is the witch uses uh, this well-known fairy tale in this movie world to illustrate the fact that to be a witch, you have to give up uh, something uh, that is very important to you uh, and, and is sort of, you have to consume it. Uh, you have to consume the thing that holds you back and you will forever be starving for it and you'll consume it forever. But the trade-off is that you get um, what, you know, this power. And she says that for Gretel, it's her younger brother who she has to coddle and sort of help because he's a little kid. Uh, and Gretel refuses. Ultimately, she turns the, tale, uh, turns the tables on the witch and frees Hansel, but she actually sends Hansel off on his own, saying that he needs to forge his own path, 
and she stays at the witch's cabin and we sort of get this uh we'll see what may come you don't really you know this porco rosso ending where it's sort of like you don't exactly know uh what the future is going to hold and then we get an ominous look where the gretel's fingers start to turn black which is something to happen to the witch so it's a little open-ended uh but i think we surely have some thoughts on that ending uh, I'll just start by saying I uh, personally really enjoyed this film. Uh, I had the uh, pleasure of seeing it as a review copy uh, early on in its uh, release and pre-release days. Um, I think that the imagery and lots of the plays on words, there's lots of little Easter eggs from other witch uh, films and mythology in here. There's a really a lot to unpack. And I think visually it's a stunning film. Uh, it reminded me of sort of the unique European vibe and architecture of Goodnight Mommy, which we reviewed uh, quite a few episodes back check it out. Um, but I found this one really interesting. Uh, and I really liked the focus on the, uh, the female perspective, uh, not just of medieval times, but of, uh, it still translates to contemporary times, as opposed to something where that I didn't feel handled that kind of female empowerment via witchcraft as well, which was like the craft legacy, um, which go listen to my review I, I really didn't enjoy that film and which which hurt my heart uh but <clears throat> anyway that's my uh tidbit on that let's go to mandy mandy first what were you expecting from this film and then what were your feelings after watching it i think it's expecting it to be a little bit scarier for how dark it was um portrayed in its like preview and artwork mm -hmm. um kind of uh but it was really interesting. As you mentioned, I specifically enjoyed the architecture and the fact that you could not place a specific time or location um, to where the story was going on. Um, it was definitely its own kind of place, its own kind of time. Um, and I really also enjoyed uh, the fact that there was this kind of power struggle, um, discovery, story between two women of different generations um and um kind of looking at how the balance of power may, like was shifting through like learning knowledge and coming into one's own found that all to be quite nice and surprising about this film yeah and it, what i found interesting too is um the witch is not we don't know how much of her backstory is real of what she tells us because uh, she's she says that the story uh, that the, this 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 folktale within a folktale that uh, Gretel uh, recites at the beginning of the movie where this um, young girl was going to die because she had a, she had a blackness in her so the father took her to a witch and she took out the took out the blackness but replaced it with its own darkness um, and then the little girl grew up and started to cause things to die including her father and then she was put out into the woods and essentially built a home there and collected children um, that's what we're told at the beginning is this is this disturbing little folk tale and then the witch says that's not actually it uh, it did happen like that but instead of putting her off in the woods alone, the mother uh, being like, you took everything from me, took the little girl in the woods and presumably ate her and, and gained this, this dark power. Uh, and, and that's why she continually eats children because she has to consume the thing that consumes her uh, in order to keep her power. It's just, it's, it's, it gets a little, it gets real conceptual, but we don't know what actually happened, of course. But I love that the witch is, is kind of a, a really strong, likable female character. Like she has some quips that are downright great. Um, 
like, and just the way she delivers them. Uh, uh, I was thinking again, back to Goodnight Mommy. I was thinking uh, when Alice Krieg was delivering these lines, she could have been uh, swapped and vice versa for Susan Weist um, and, and it would have worked. Uh, but I'm glad we get Krieg here because she does these great things like speaking to the children, especially Gretel in really, she doesn't speak to them like children. She speaks to them like people. And of course, that's how children react the best, especially when they get older, is if you treat them like children, they don't react well. It's, it's an oppressive nature to them. Whereas if you treat them like equals, they will often rise to the occasion because they want to. And that's the, she's fostering this teaching atmosphere. Um, but she has these great lines like, husband, do you see me dragging a ball and chain around? Um, and uh, and she, she has a couple of lines that are, that are, are literally lifted from um, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, it's just a really neat melding of all these witchy things into this narrative that stands on its own. Uh, and I thought that was cool. And I really did like that Gretel and the witch's relationship, frankly, is fairly healthy until Gretel makes the decision that she doesn't want to, um, uh, we assume, eat her brother. Um, and I don't know... You know, I think there's lots of people who are who would be like, "Ooh, that's awful," and I'm like, "Well, you know, women didn't seem to have it so great uh, in this world, right?" We 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 open up with the mother saying, uh, sending the girl off to you know Gretel to work at this what she thinks is a hotel, and it turns out that she would be a prostitute, uh, and this this creepy old man who, by the way, is I believe Ian McDermott, right? Uh, the uh, um, Emperor Palpatine himself, uh, or am I crazy? I might be crazy. Might be, but he was really creepy. Yeah. And it, it, uh, definitely wanted to hire some underage ladies. Right, to exactly. Not, not be maids. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and she was like, no thanks. And then her mom was just like, oh, I guess I'll kill you. Yeah. And her mom I'm goes, crazy. Because she's crazy. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I don't. Uh, it was, I, I really enjoyed that play because we see right off the bat, they let us know this is a troubled time. Women are uh, second to men. And then we're given this character, the witch, who is truly more powerful than anyone else. Um, and she's willing to share that power with Gretel. Uh, but of course, the price is something she doesn't want to do. So, Tad, what were you expecting going into this film? And what were your uh, takeaways and feelings once you saw it? I wasn't sure if this was going to be like the last time they tried to take, tell this story, except in what, what there wasn't Hansel, Hansel and Gretel witch hunters with, uh, with this fucking Christ. Yeah. Uh, with uh, what's his face. Uh, Hawkeye. Um, yeah. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. So, correct. So. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Like forgive, that it was a thing. I didn't watch it. Uh, forgive me for not, um, having much faith in modern <laughs> remakes of fucking fairy tales that were told two to three hundred years ago i'm sorry but in it when even when you try and contextualize it to me it's like okay what are you gonna do new and it turns out that like i said in previous episodes it feels like all they do is squish the exact same stuff into every story so like let's squish some walking dead in here. Let's squish some women's empowerment. And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, like something that basically was written in the 1700s, I'm not sure how well you can fit that in. This was interesting. I will give it that. The, the dialogue was fantastic. The characters were actually really good. I will give it credit for that. However, I couldn't get over the fact that the dialogue, oh my God, it was so quiet. 
and I don't yes. have a bad sound system. I have a pretty good sound system. I have a nice home theater system. When I'm trying to watch a movie and there's stuff going on and people are like, that really bothers me. It shows me a lack of attention to the mastering and how important that is. Like I can pop in a copy of Top Gun anytime I want. And that thing, I can hear that movie from across the house. But these modern movies, I cannot hear someone talking in the middle of a very important scene. And it may be, maybe the actress wasn't. Am I not, am I, am I remembering it incorrectly that you're a big fan of, uh, of Christopher Nolan's Batman series? Is this? No, no, okay. <laughs> you are definitely misremembering because I do love the Dark Knight, but I frankly thought that Batman Begins was kind of mediocre and the Dark Knight Rises was below mediocre. I'm so, gonna be honest. I I haven't actually watched. I I love Tom Hardy, and I've not actually watched The Dark Knight Rises, and I have it behind me. And I actually thought about dusting it off this week and watching it. So we'll see what happens. But um, I I didn't notice that on mine. But one thing I'll say across the board, especially as a movie reviewer, where I watch so many movies a week, um, the the sort of advent of dynamic sound uh, and and the options to change sound features and three D stereoscopic you know sound systems and such in uh, our, our television smart TVs and things like that, they really have altered uh, a lot of how I hear movies. And sometimes yeah. it's downright difficult. And I have to say, I actually didn't have a problem with this one at all because I didn't find too many tension stings and things like that. So I probably just had the volume really high and didn't really think about it. Um, but there have been several movies where I downright am deafened by the soundtrack as soon as I get it high enough. And messing with those uh, presets um, for the the dynamic audio um, sometimes it helps other times it doesn't but it always changed it to such an extent that I I, I sort of yearn for the day that there was a more standardized approach it's, uh, it's a technological problem and it's something that unfortunately especially with the advent of streaming we haven't really resolved um, blu-ray when it came out surprise everybody most of the data that's on a 50 gig disc was the audio that was kind of the point because a 1080p picture doesn't take all that much because if you go and you know sail the seven seas and find a video uh, movie that you really like turns out it's not that big but you sacrifice a lot of the audio quality in the in the process so when you're at home and you have a semi-decent sound system, but you have to end up calibrating every goddamn movie in order for it to sound like the theater because yes. when you go to the theater, yes. Nathan knows, you go to the theater, everything is set up prior to you sitting your ass down in, the, in there. You don't have to question it. You don't have to calibrate. Did anyone actually have to calibrate sound, Nathan, in your job? No, absolutely not. No, exactly. Uh, when I worked at the movie theater, no. And I mean, and even when it switched to digital, certainly not, like you said, they know the general, they under, They know the sound system and projectors and they all are set to basically the same things, no matter your brand. Yes, there are differences, but if you have rad, radical differences, it's gonna be terrible. So no company wants to break that trend. Um, it's the same thing if, if anybody uh, has a 3D TV, a 3D uh, you know, HD TV, um, setting the depth is critical you can't you'll put in one movie and it will be like oh this is so cool it's just like the movie you know just like the theater experience or better and then you'll put in another one and it is it it, it feels like you're wearing the red and blue um you know dual color old school ones because nothing matches up right and it's always this game of like pausing it and trying to it's just a nightmare um 
it maybe you know some people might find it worth it but i i i hear that i didn't have a problem with this movie on that but i can certainly imagine it especially because of the witch's character krieg's voice she speaks in a very specific older old lady crone style like you would imagine this crone who is far beyond her natural years um would sound interesting i i hear that um i want to talk too about the uh the visuals of this movie as as i think everyone has said the the visuals are quite stunning the the cottage is very like extreme norwegian uh design it's a it's a triangle with this secondary roof uh running and a rectangle on one side there's lots of triangles in this movie in fact we get several the witch in the old fairy tale where they're taking the young girl to to heal her she's situated directly under a metal triangle um that, that surrounds her and it there's lots of things we can attribute this to um of course the triangle is often the symbol of uh the vagina um, and so it's also often the symbol of femininity. It's also in certain modern iterations. I thought it was the symbol of the, the uterus. Uh, uh, the, correct. So Maybe. we're making, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing hand symbols here on this audio <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, watch us at youtube.com slash cult classic podcast. Um, yeah, it's also uh, in witchcraft, it's often attributed to the three stages of, of femininity, the crone, the mother, and the maiden. I think that's the one I can't, I'm, I'm not extremely well versed sure, in modern witchcraft, um, but there are several iterations. You'll see it a lot. And you see it a lot in this movie, right down to the house. Um, there are also some really cool shots. Like uh, when they first arrive at the cottage, uh, there is a window that is actually a wooden carved panel with a single hole in the middle. And we get this mm -hmm. great shot uh, for several times of Gretel's looking through the hole, but we see it from the other side. So it's just this beautiful, completely, um, flat could be 2d matted image with her eye darting between it's something guillermo del toro must have seen and goes oh i like that um it's really it's really right up his alley um also the food looks both scrumptious and sort of disgusting um it's like it's everything looks like uh, a flemish painting of food it's very shiny it looks like it has an egg yolk you know um glaze it is or egg white glaze it's it's a very I mean, it, it looks delicious and gross at the same time. And then later on, we it find- It looks like overly rich. Yes. Like you're like, I'm going to eat that and I'm going to just immediately be ill because it's too rich. Yeah. It's, it's downright decadent. Um, and so uh, I, I like the imagery in this. We also get some neat audio things, even though, as Tad said, uh, it could be problematic for some. Um, there's one moment, especially later in the film, when Gretel is becoming more powerful and she's the one that wants to stay. Hansel is sort of losing power. He's becoming duller, slow, dreamy. He always goes out every day and, and trains, quote unquote, using one of the witch's hatchets to cut down trees, um, which he does eventually do to some extent. But at one point he walks, he hears this we think hears sound because we hear this sound and it's chanting and it's actually another Grimm's fairy tale of fairy, probably the most brutal of all the Grimm's fairy tales. Um, and there are, and he sees that there are all these dozens and dozens of pairs of shoes hanging from this tree, presumably of, of, of dead children. It's just the kind of ominous imagery that isn't always explained. Um, I do think it, it builds a good atmosphere, but, um, and, and I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, but 
I can I kind of wonder. I think this film met mostly with critical positives, um, but I think some audiences were not so sold on it. Um, it also, unfortunately, like most female-centric films in the past uh, five years, <laughs> was review-bombed on all the aggregates by people hating, I guess, that Hansel gets sidelined in Hansel and Gretel. I, I didn't know that was a big fandom. I didn't, you know, there's no Hansel con every year, Dude, so I don't know what their issue was. But There is, there is a entire subculture of the internet dedicated to being mad that the main character well isn't male like it's like it's ridiculous it's i completely agree it is ridiculous and you know just just because a woman i'm just because it's a female-centric film or a woman is in the lead doesn't mean it's a good movie uh, again i don't think the craft legacy was a good film in any capacity but um it doesn't there's it certainly can be and there are plenty of good ones and i think you know this is a prime example as i think uh, how about birds of prey or uh, all sorts of other uh, more mainstream films you know there's 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 plenty alien can we talk about alien you know um so trolls can go die um but anyway i i i bring it back to when people often say, oh, this, this film feels European, uh, it, sound, it can sound stupid when someone says that, but it also, I think, has a, a very strong center of truth. It's maybe an oversimplification, but this film feels like a film that would have come out of um, uh, France or, um, or Sweden. Uh, and there are plenty um, where the, just the imagery and also the culture that it draws upon is, you know, this old Germanic culture, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's based in that. And I think they did a good job of capturing that so much to the extent that I assumed that it wasn't made by an American filmmaker. And it is, and he's a younger guy as well. Um, so good for you, Oz Perkins. Uh, we're going to wrap this up quick. I know we didn't go into extreme detail, but this is a contemporary film. You can watch it. I believe it's on Hulu right now as we record this, but there are probably several ways to watch it. Or you can go pick up the physical media. Physical media forever is always nice. And uh, let's wrap it up with recommendations. Mandy, would you recommend Gwendolyn Hansel 2020? And if so, why and to who? I would. I would recommend it to people who like creepy films that make you think but aren't too scary or gory. It's really great um, in that respect. Um, also strong female leads and have enough good films like that. So that's who I would recommend it to. And that is why. Yeah, I agree. I think um, uh, I'll give my recommendation for it as well. Uh, I really enjoyed this film so much that I made you guys watch it. And it's sort of one of those things where, like you said, it is not a, overly scary horror film there aren't really maybe there's a jump scare but not so much but there's lots of spooky imagery it's the kind of thing that might give me nightmares it might not scare me at the moment uh but it, it would it, it's got some nightmare inducing stuff um oh also it shows you why you don't give middle schooler shrooms exactly <laughs> i was just gonna say there is an interesting uh psychoactive educational mushroom yeah. moment um it does uh, it does, it does come out uh, as like a, it does have a plot purpose, although it could be undone. Uh, but we also, there is for, for people who like practical effects, there are practical effects here. There's some cool um, uh, sort of practical and 3D effect mixing. Um, there's a nice scene where we, we see disemboweled pieces of people turned into food which is kind of gruesome and we get this really stark modernist view of 
um, like of of witchcraft paraphernalia. You know, um, there, there's this the the witch's crafting place is like this subterranean. It's just this it's this perfectly rectangular pit that has a uh, tinted glass covering at the top and uh and wire metal cages then it literally it looks like you walked into um an anthropology and they took all the uh uh the smooth edge furniture out and you just have these this metal and industrial um you know pre-pipe uh metal work it's very cool i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was a, a great looking film tad up to you would you recommend gretel and hansel 2020 if so why and to who um Felt derivative to me. Soundtrack sucks. Don't recommend. Sorry, soundtrack I sucks. I really like the soundtrack. I'm going to have to butt you on that one. Yeah, well, sure. But you know what kind of soundtracks I like. And this did not have it. It's not bad channels. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is not, that's the it pinnacle is, of soundtracks for me. It is not um, bad channels. Yeah, no, this is much more akin to uh, sort of like a softer Goblin soundtrack, like from Suspiria. If you like Goblin's work, you might enjoy this. Sort of that mixed with stranger things you know they they have that that post new wave synth music dark synth kind of soundtrack it's very light um i enjoyed it it would it would be good for me writing uh in the background i could have it playing um although in some moods it could certainly bum me out okay well so that's two out of three but uh all opinions are valid on this podcast when i say so so uh enjoy guys thank you so much for listening as always we really appreciate you listeners both those who write in and those who don't um, please help us out if you get a chance and i hope you get a chance by reviewing us and uh, rating us subscribing to us and telling your friends about us i'm um, colton classic podcast we are on every major podcast platform and you can send us recommendations requests you can send tad hate mail at colton classic podcast at gmail.com i do say that even when tad's not on the podcast still uh, waiting uh, so yeah, so send that our way. Follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast and on Facebook at the same and YouTube slash Colton Classic Podcast. Thanks so much. And to play us out as always is the Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.